0: Good morning, you hope. <laughs> Folks, if you've got your outlines, I'd encourage you to take them out. God's purpose for Christmas is salvation. And this is often mystic Christmas. Everything else is highlighted: decorations, Christmas gifts, but Christ came to save us. That is why he came. Luke 2, as Grant's just read, for today in the city of David there's been born for you this is very personal. This is for you. Christ has come for you. God is not some impersonal force. He is a personal God. He came for you as Savior who is Christ your Lord. Now the announcement of the good news of salvation by angels was for anyone who would accept it it wasn't just for the jews it wasn't just for the africans or the ugandans or the kiwis or the aussies it was for everyone notice for you a personal savior now god's gift of salvation provides you your freedom purpose in life in three dimensions number one your past is forgiven and that's a great news because without our sins being forgiven we're not acceptable to God. You have a purposeful living in the present, which is not what the world sells you and I as a bill of goods. And we have got even more unbelievably, as Joshua just talked about, the future home in heaven, which is where our real life for eternity begins. Now, number two, Jesus came at Christmas to save you from your sin and yourself. I say both. Sin on yourself because what is the source of most of our problems? We all have habits that are really tough to break. Really tough to break. And we have thoughts. You do, so do I. Have thoughts that I don't even want. That's the truth. We have emotions that we don't like. Those feelings sometimes of insecurity or anxiety. Fears you can't hide. We have regrets and we have resentment about regrets about things we did and resentment about things that people did to us and things that you wish, I don't know about you but boy there's a bunch of things I wish I'd never ever have said but you and I are born with the proverbial I problem because by nature we are self-centered and you just ask any parents no parent has had to have a lesson in how to be disobedient or selfish now children, today we're going to teach you how to be selfish You know, and you have to coach them in it. Not at all. People and children, even at that little age, are born with a a, a self-will. We have a natural inclination to do the wrong, to make the wrong choices. And that wrong choice is my way instead of God's way. And that way is called sin because we're born with a high problem. And this is our greatest problem, and it's universal. The next verse on the screen says this, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Nobody I have ever met would disagree with that. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has a perfect record, an unblemished record. And again, the flip side of it, this is a very all-encompassing verse, Romans 3.23 says this, that for all have sinned, and fall short of God's standard or God's glory. I don't measure up to my own standards, let alone God's. And often our actions demonstrate that I want to run my own life. So I'm going to make my plans and do what I want. You know why that is? Because I know what's best for me even more implication than God knows what's best. That's insanity to think that. But the way we live our lives, that's what happens. Therefore, I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, do you think it's possible that for some of you here today, if there is a God, he kind of might know what is best for you rather than you know what's best for you? Friends, our prideful self-will causes us to disconnect and distance ourselves from him and his will. And the Bible says that in Isaiah 59 and verse 2. It says, the trouble, this is the trouble. I used to hear a lot about that when I was a kid. You're in trouble. I was always in trouble. (laughs) The trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. They've introduced distance in that relationship. You see, so the problem, the reason why Jesus even came was to solve this equation. To solve this problem. The Bible says here that the trouble is your sins have cut us off from God. Our sinfulness is the source of the problem. On a personal level, me, personal level, it causes to act in ways that create guilt and shame and resentment and regret. And then on a global level, on a macro scale, we see corruption and prejudice and poverty and atrocities, and genocide. That's on a macro scale. So it doesn't matter which country you go to, which, on, on a macro scale or on a nano scale, there's a problem of this corruption of sin. Now, governments and academics and social workers often deal with the visible symptoms of these issues. And they try to engineer fixes. But lasting solutions to all of those issues and sin starts in the heart that's the heart of the problem and only god only god can transform hearts to set us free from the grip of sin now another word and that when you set free another word for salvation is being is is freedom and salvation is freedom the bible says this in psalm 118 verse 5 i was in trouble So I called to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. So what does Jesus coming at Christmas offer to set us free from? Number one, going back to this past, because you've got to deal with that. Freedom from guilt and the past, over the past. Guilt is the mental price we pray for violating God's, our God-given conscience. That's what that is. And if we break an earthly law, like I did the other day, I get a ticket in the mail. Dear Mr. Buckley, you have exceeded the speed limit by 12 kilometres. Please pay $85. Ka-ching! Ow! That was a nice Christmas present. Not. The point is, if I break an earthly law, I pay a penalty. And when we break God's moral law, there are consequences too. God cannot wink and pretend that didn't happen because he knows all truth. Nothing escapes his attention. But God, out of his deep love for us, sent Jesus to solve the problem. Romans 6.23 says, The payment for sin is death. Guess whose death made the payment for sin? But the gift that God freely gives us at Christmas is everlasting life found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all that you've ever done wrong, and get this, all that you will ever do wrong, because he has perfect knowledge of the future. That, my friends, is the greatest exchange in the universe, and it happened there. The deal happened there, the business end of the transaction, the greatest exchange in history. Second Corinthians 5:21 elaborates us: For God took christ's uh, God took the sinlessness of Christ who was perfect, and poured into him our sins. And then in exchange, there's that word, in the exchange, he poured God goodness into us. Whoa, what had just happened there? That is an amazing verse. God's goodness is far more powerful than your mistake or my mistake and your sin or my sin. The gift of not having to carry the load of guilt and the guilty conscience every day is wonderful. God's forgiveness is able to wipe your slate clean, and that is freedom. So when Jesus came at Christmas, he offered to set us free from that guilty conscience. That guilty conscience. Secondly, he, this is a big one. Girls, listen up. He came to set us free from the expectation of others the expectation of others how often have you done things you didn't even want to do simply because you didn't want the disapproval of others Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this the fear of human opinion disables it's an impediment, it'll cripple you but trusting in God protects you from that so what he's saying there is constant worry is a trap. Constantly worrying about what others think about you is a trap. The antidote to this of fearing disapproval of others is building your life not on the opinion of others, which changes so quickly like the wind, is to build your life on the foundation of God's unconditional love, which never changes So when the sting of rejection comes, and it will come in your life, some of you have been rejected by your spouse. Some of you have been rejected by your children. Some of you have been rejected by your employer. Some of you have been rejected by your mother or your father. When that comes, the affirmation of others is encouraging. But feeling deeply loved and chosen by God. Is far more important. And far greater. Look at this. Ephesians 1. Even before. He made the world. God loved us. And chose us. In Christ. To be holy. And without fault in his eyes. Whoa. That is a weighty verse. Before the foundation of the world. God chose and wanted you and he loved you unconditionally to be set free from living for the approval of others you need to be focused on how much you matter to God and his unconditional love for you do that and you'll be free from the expectation and living your life of others Romans eight thirty one says this what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, basically then, who cares about the rest? <laughs> because people are fickle, But God is faithful. The next verse in 2710, Psalm 2017, reminds us that, and boy, this is the truth for me. I own this verse. Even if my father, who did abandon me and my brothers and my mum, even if your father and your mother abandons me, the Lord will hold me close. So if all of those, if your sister or your brother, they're pushing back hard and you feel their disapproval, remember the Lord will hold you close. You see, the problem here is so many people base their identity on the flawed fickle judgment of others which only leads to greater insecurity find your trust in god's love and that foundation will never move you find your identity in god's love that you're loved that you're wanted forget what other people say they don't know the facts number three jesus coming at christmas Offers to set us free from destructive habits. Destructive habits. Now you probably realise by now that good intentions aren't good enough to break destructive habits. My brother tried for 14 years to break a habit that nearly cost him his life three or four times over. You may have tried to change in your own power. You may see this even in the things that you count important when you come to the New Year's resolutions. But what I've noticed is it's very easy to revert back to the old you. And with each cycle of intention and failure and then remorse, I blew it, you feel more trapped. Friend, if that is you, you need a power greater than yourself. See, because what this is like, it's like I do a bit of sailing, and on some of these yachts they have autopilot. You sit in. You program the coordinates. I'm going to here to great barrier. And then you let it off. And then the, the boat will sail. If the wind blows a bit more, We'd adjust the rudder. And sometimes we have this inbuilt autopilot that is bent towards selfishness, bent towards our way, bent towards sin. And what we do is we grab hold of the wheel and we hold onto it and we pull down because we're trying to change the course of our life. And we hold and our knuckles are getting white at the stage. And it'll work for a while. Until eventually, we grow tired, and we let go. And guess what happens? The boat goes back on the same direction. The only answer to changing this is to change the autopilot. So that you not only desire to do the right thing, but you have the power to do the right thing, and that can only come by the changing power of Jesus Christ. John 8.36 says, I have come. Sorry, if the Son sets you free, then you shall be really free. God never meant you to go through life on your own. That's a terribly hopeless, um, anxious place to be. That's not Even in the beginning, God said it is not good for man to be alone. He wants you to trust him and depend upon him. Number four, the other thing he brings is that at Christmas, Jesus came to set you free, this is a big one, from the fear of death. The fear of death. The acid test of what you actually believe is not how you act. When you're at a wedding, or you've just got a pay rise, or the business is going well, or you've just had a birth or a graduation, the acid test of your faith is when emotional storms come into your life and beat down your dreams. And the relational earthquakes rip your relationships. Some of you know what that's like. When financial fires turn your assets into ashes and when pain pummels your body, this is where the rubber meets the road and eventual death of loved ones leaves you lonely and lost. What will uphold you and empower you then and give you the zip and get up and go? to go after God's kingdom then now as a pastor I see probably more than my fair share of funerals and I see the night and day the enormous difference that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ makes and if you accept what Jesus did for you on the cross your eternal destiny is secured secured and you'll no longer fear death the Bible says this in Hebrews 2 Since we are God's children, our human beings made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die, and in dying break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way, here it is, could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to a constant dread. If you live with a constant dread of the fear of death, Jesus Christ is the only solution to that. Praise God. Do I hear an amen? Good. Number two, at Christmas, Jesus came to save you, not just from your sins, but for a purpose. Now, at some point in your life, each of us asks questions like, why am I alive? That's a question of existence. I mean, why am I here? Does my life matter? Or am I just a cog in the wheel? What's my purpose? And this is a question of intention. What am I supposed to do with this life? Get up, go to work, run around, do the shopping, work like crazy. Is... is, is Okay, I know I have to put bread on the table, but there's more to that than this. God has a purpose for your life. The Bible says, Ephesians 1, long before he laid down the foundations of the earth, the universe wasn't even set in place. He, God, had us in mind. I love this part. And he had settled on us as the focus the focus of his love, to be made whole, body, soul, mind, and spirit, and holy in his love. Holy. But each one of us, the problem is, is from God's purpose by following what we thought was the way we should use our lives. So God sent a Savior at Christmas to A, redeem us from sin, to reset now, notice that to reset that autopilot in our lives, to change the program, to completely change the app that's been driving us, completely different. And importantly, to restore our lives to His purpose, not our purpose. Second Corinthians five says this: He died for all, so that why, why, why here. All who live, having received eternal life from him, might no longer live for themselves. You mean I'm not supposed to live for myself? No. To please themselves. Are you living to please yourself? But instead to spend their lives pleasing Christ, who you will spend eternity and trillions and trillions of years with. This is kind of like going back to Josh's illustration just the incubation period. Who died and rose again for them. So you're not just saved from evil. You were saved to do good. Question. How is that going? How is that plan going? Because that is God's purpose for your life. Not just to be saved from that. You're supposed to do something with this life. What has God given you as a talent and the ability? Whatever that is, are you using it to move the kingdom ball further down the field? Or are you just wrapped up right now in the here and now? Because that is not the purpose. So that they may no longer live for themselves to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ. What with the talents and gifts and abilities and opportunities and influence that God's given you, which is different to you, which is different to you, how are you using those to please Christ? Or is it just feathering your own nest that is not what christmas is about here we're not saved just from evil but we're saved for good giving yourselves completely to god the bible says in romans 6 every part of you for you are back from death and you want to be tools tools in the hands of god here it is to be used for his good purposes so question your time talent energy treasure Abilities, opportunities, are you using that? So imagine you're in in, in three months. It's all going to wrap up here. And imagine you're going to step across that line. And the Lord said, I've saved you for my purposes. Have you used any of those gifts, abilities, time, opportunity, treasure, talent to move my kingdom forward? Or is it maybe half a percent of your time? We're not just to live for our own purposes. See, worldly success doesn't matter. zero, zero, in the long run. And neither will it satisfy. Once you're in heaven, you know, what was it like about? It will lose its men because he has all the resources. And ours will seem inconsequential. That will not count for anything in eternity unless... You use it for the kingdom in some way, shape, or form. And on that issue, can I just I feel prompted to say this it is not a sin to be rich. All of us are rich in this room. Every one of you are rich. But it is a sin to die rich. Use your assets, your abilities, your your opportunities, your influence for the kingdom of God. Invest in the kingdom. Take some time. Like that guy who took, it took three months, basically, from his business to go deliver an offering for the kingdom of God. He's, it wasn't just wrapped up. I'm thinking about a biblical example here. In his own life, and his own demands of his own business. See, which master are you really working for? Is it your employer or is it Jesus Christ? He just happened to be in that employment at that point in time. See, you can be so busy earning a living... That you failed to live the life that God intended for you to live. Because you were made for far more than earthly success. You were made for significance in God's kingdom. Matthew 8 says this. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. I want to do what I want to do. I want to spend this time. Because there's a finite amount of time that you have on this earth. Me too. The person sitting next to you is exactly the same. And everybody's different. Only those, Jesus is saying this, only those who throw away their lives for my sake count their own plans as rubbish. And for the sake of the good news, will ever know what it really means to live. And when he says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly, this is directly tied to that verse. Let me ask you a question. Knowing that nothing you will ever try will completely satisfy your soul. Some of you today, I want to ask you, why don't you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because your past is forgiven, you're given a brand new purpose for living, and you're going to have a home in heaven. Nobody and nothing else can give you that. Now, here's the mistake for those of you who are Christians maybe your past has been forgiven but what about the purpose for living now? Maybe that's what the Spirit of God wants to put his finger on. If you were to tap out tomorrow, are you happy with the way that you've handled your life? Because I'm not responsible for your life and you're not responsible for my life. You're responsible for your life according to God. Is this what you want to do? Is this it? Or would you be happy standing before your Savior and saying, well, God, I did good. My Kiwi Savior went up. uh, Let's not talk about last month. And uh, properties, yeah, they're going well and stuff like that. But you see, yeah, that's great. But what have you done for my kingdom? doesn't count for anything. Nothing. Faith, stepping out in faith. Abraham was called from a commercial hub to go somewhere where God showed him. And he stepped out in faith. We've forgotten that stepping out in faith involves Risk. Risk. Some of you in this room need a Holy Spirit injection of courage because you are afraid to step out. Don't let that happen because God's plan for you is he wants you to use your life for good. Let's move on. Did you know that Jesus came to save you? This is the other part which is really interesting, which balances us up, by his grace at Christmas. Now, I want to contrast that to nearly every other area of your life that you know about. Sports, we look at the score. Sales, we look at whether Marty's had his budget. He's either a hero or a zero, depends upon whether he gets it. doesn't matter whether it's work, school, sports. It's school, we're graded. Now, when it comes to spiritual matters, many people wrongly, and I want to underline here three times, wrongly assume that you have to earn God's approval that you have to deserve God's love and that you have to work your way to heaven by trying to do good or be perfect now if you thought that or that thoughts mildly entered your mind I have good news for you that's not the way it works John 6 says this says then they asked him what must we do To do the works that God requires. And Jesus answered, The work of God is this to believe in the one He sent, which involves no work at all. It's an issue of the will. Salvation is not a matter of trying but trusting. But it has a practical application. It's not a matter of proving you deserve it, but it's by accepting it by faith, knowing that you and I don't deserve such an incredible prize. See, religion is man's attempt to please God. On the other hand, grace is God reaching out to man. Ephesians 2 underlines this. For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift, Christmas gift. Of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, well, I've worked harder. No, 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 no. Notice your Christmas gift at Christmas comes through grace and through faith. All other religions in the world are based on the letters D-O, do. Christianity adds two more letters, N-E, done. It's done. Done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, he said this. Remember? It is finished. What was finished? The bill had been paid in full. And he took care of your expenses associated with your salvation. Do you know why the tradition of giving at Christmas began? Because God gave the first and the greatest gift. And the first gift was his son. Luke 2.11 says, today, back to that verse, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Who is he? Christ the Lord. And that's why we say today, like Paul says here, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray. Today you may never been in a church before, or maybe you've gone to church every Christmas of your life that you can even remember. Nevertheless, today I want you to invite you to pray this prayer of salvation in your heart right now at Christmas time, and you can begin a personal relationship with God. And the rest of your life literally can be the best of your life. Why don't you pray this prayer in your heart and say, Dear God, I don't understand it all, but I do thank you for sending Jesus Christ at Christmas. You can just pray that in your heart. Thank you that He came to save me from my sin and myself, to set me free from the guilt of my past life and the sins. To set me free from the expectation of others. And destructive habits, be that workaholism, be it drug addiction, be it pornography, and that you came to set me free, especially from the fear of death. Thank you that you have saved me for a purpose by your grace. Help me, Lord, reappreciate that you have saved me for something. Today I recognize, Lord, that your wonderful gift of salvation is not a matter of trying but trusting. And out of that trusting, being grateful and using my life as a living sacrifice for you. Thank you that you want me to be with me forever. as part of your family. And Jesus Christ, I want to know you. I want to learn to love you and trust you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I want to turn from my way to your way. And I may ask you to fill my life with your love and your presence. That I may have not just a new life, but an abundant life and an eternal life. So today at Christmas 2018, I say yes to you, Jesus Christ. I receive your Christmas gift with gratitude and I thank you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.